Welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast where I bring to you the stories, insights and ideas from the world of sport to help you improve your well-being and performance, both body and mind. This episode is sponsored by Sport Yogi, an app for ambitious sports people that are keen to improve their performance by creating the link between your mental and physical well-being. You'll be able to join along to sessions in your own time using techniques from yoga, mobility training, breath control, mindfulness and meditation, all without the woo-woo side of it, leaving you breathing, thinking and moving better than before. With over 40 free sessions now available on the app, You can get started today where you can sign up totally for free at sportyogi.com or it's available on both iOS and Android app stores. So that's sportyogi.com or iOS and Android app stores. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Lewis Hatchett and in this episode, I speak with professional cricketer Phil Salt. Phil plays for multiple teams around the world, having also been included in the England T20 squads. But he travels around the world playing for multiple teams in the T20 format as a franchise player. And I got to catch him when he was over here in Adelaide playing for the Adelaide Strikers. Phil was actually one of my teammates at Sussex over in the UK where he still does play. And it was great to catch up with him about his journey into cricket and learn a few things about him that I didn't even know. We go into the enjoyment of your sport as Phil really is a character and just simply has fun doing what he does. And we also go into how he builds his process that allows him to focus under pressure in front of big crowds, as well as a little bit of his mindfulness and meditation practice, which was super interesting. We recorded the show in Adelaide Oval, one of my favourite venues. It's just one of the favourites, one of my favourite stadiums in the world. And it's, if you do see the video of this, either on social media or on YouTube, then you'll see what a stunning venue it is. If not, just look it up on Google. Like I said, there was some things that I'd learned about Phil in this episode, and you're definitely going to get some stuff out of it for sure, whether it's around building your process, enjoying what you do, and even learning a little bit more about how you can train your mind to to be under pressure. So without any more hesitation, I give you Phil Salt. Enjoy. Phil, he's in. <laughs> I uh, so we've um, we've just been for lunch. We've had a good start to the day. We're full, belly's full. We're re- ready and raring to go for for this. Um, how's things, mate? You, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, it's been a good afternoon. This is beautiful sunshine for people that are only listening and maybe not seeing the video. We're parked up at Adelaide Oval, without a doubt. This is this is definitely one of my favourite um, sport. I'm not biased because I'm I'm here and been here for a long time, but this is definitely one of my favourite venues of sport. I have not played out in the middle, and you have. Is it as spectacular out in the middle as it is <laughs> out here? Yeah, it was obviously very different this year with not as many fans allowed in, but some of the games we had um, the year before, um, I think we got fifty-five thousand or something to the to the New Year's Eve game. Um, that was incredible. Um, we got good crowds this year, but then there's nothing quite like it when it's packed. Um, I've never played it anywhere, uh, yeah. even remotely similar to this bar. Maybe 
Um, we had a game, the PSL opening match. I think it was not last season, the one before. Um, that was 45,000 and pumping. So now I've not played at too many places similar to this. Yeah, well, um, obviously you're traveling around doing a lot of franchise cricket. You're, you're playing for multiple different teams. We'll get into what it's like, sort of life on the road. Um, for most of the people that are going to be listening to this, I know where you've come from. It's actually a really unique story, like your, your upbringing, where you come from. And um, I want to go into things like character and enjoyment in sport. But before we go into anything, let's, let's go into how you started in cricket, where you came from, and then sort of your, your early years of, of getting into the game and where the enjoyment started to come from. So I'll let you start wherever you want to start, mate. Okay. Um, so my first sort of experience of cricket was when my brother took me down to the local cricket club in North Wales. Yeah. Um, that was where I first started playing the game. Um, had no sort of real interest in it at the time, early doors. It was just more like go and have a slog and have a crack and crack on. I was playing football at the time and football was far and away my favourite sport. What did you, did you play other sports? Yeah, I, I, played, I played a few other sports. <laughs> yeah. uh, mainly football. Football was my number one. Um, but I've sort of dabbled in a bit of everything, to be honest. Yeah. Um, my brother's a much better tennis player than I was than I am. But um, I played. I played a lot of tennis growing up. Um, there's even the YouTube clip of the American football. R- really? Yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Have you not seen it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you want to go on YouTube and type it in. Um, I'm not going to say what you need to type in because people might have a look at it. It's mortifying. <laughs> but it's a game where. Um, I played in the UAE, um, which was a belter. Uh, so yeah, I've played. I've played a few different sports. Um, table tennis is a oh, big one. Yeah, how far did you go with table tennis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nowhere. I say I played table tennis. I'm pretty, I'm but pretty I, good though. <laughs> I literally played it at school, and that was it. Yeah, no, that's where I got it from school. Uh, no, I, I, I dabbled in a bit of everything, like even a bit of rugby and stuff like that, hockey. Um, because I love sports, to be honest. Growing yeah. up, that's all I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, mixed in and out a bit. Then moved to Barbados, and that's when the football probably dropped off um, and the cricket took front seat. And then I was out there for a few years, and then I got a scholarship to a school in Surrey in the UK um, and came over there and trialled plenty of times. I think I was trialling three times a year. Uh, to get to the Surrey age group set up, um, doing all the stuff like buying the kit at the start of every season, hoping that you'd get a crack um, and never got a crack. And then I think it was about, I think it would have been four years that happened. I kept trialling three times a year, never got a crack. And then Sussex, um, I played an under-17s game. And then I played a second team game at the end of the season after that. And then I was signed on the academy at Sussex. And, and then... Uh, I think it was in the academy for two years yeah. and then I got signed pro off the back of that. Yeah, I mean, for those listening, I I was actually a squad member when when you first turned up. I was in that second team game when you first played. I remember you coming and, and like, I remember th- the first time I saw you was when you were, you were just in the net, you were in the indoor training facility, you were in the nets and you were, you were whacking it. Like you were just going, I was like, this guy's going, he's clean hitting these balls, but like there doesn't seem to be much I'll be honest, there wasn't like much sort of technical, it was just pure striking of the ball. And I was like, this kid has got something that other people can't do, which is whack it and hit it hard. And then 
seeing you progress over the years uh, once you start getting into a pro arena and then technique started you actually start thinking about the game figuring it out and and then geez you're you're where you are just going back on on that i didn't know you trialed so much i didn't yeah, know you'd done all that trialing i trialed so much just four um, years four years of trialing like persevering away that's a lot yeah. of perseverance yeah it was um i don't think you can say it was tough because you just like i wanted it so much um i don't think you can say oh it's tough and oh, i was persevering through it. it just i just wanted i just wanted to do it i never thought of i never uh, maybe the first couple times that um i got the no i was like well this is no good is it but then I'd, I was never, you know, I was never allowed to dwell on it um, by Keith Medlicott. Um, he was a pro at Reeds um, and I was never allowed to dwell on it because we'd always have something else going on. How I'm going to get better, how I'm going to do this, do that. So um, I was never allowed to dwell on it, but it was a lot of trialing. So, so you literally would trial and yeah. then you'd go, because I remember you talking about Keith Medlicott being a real mentor of yours. Yeah. So you would trial and then you would go back to Keith and be like, right, how am I going to get a yes next time? Um, or was he, he the one saying like, right, not as in hard luck or, he, or let's just keep going? He always used to say to me, I, always used to, I used to get gutted about it. Like the first couple of times it was, I was proper gutted. But then from there, it was water for ducks back. But I remember, and he used to say to me, um, it's not about being the best 14, 15, 16 year old cricket. It's about being the best men's cricket. Yeah. So he literally said, it's not about now, like what are you doing right now? It'd be nice to be doing well, but it's neither here nor there. He said, in a few years' time, that's when you, that's when you have to judge yourself almost. Yeah, that's when I, that that's a good point. I, I say that to a lot of young young guys at the moment, just because there's literally I got a text message this morning from a father of a of a young one of the kids we're coaching, and he's talking about like the the position he's playing and and where he wants to be, and and like I had to I send I send him back voice notes, and and I just said like, look. Uh, uh, this is a long drawn out process this is this is where he should be he should be or he should be working towards where he is in two three years time he's he's literally 11 he, he's 11 and it's like you you're not going to be out on Adelaide Oval tomorrow you're not going to be out there in the next five years maybe but if you just keep focusing on the little bits you can focus on right now to get you where you want to be uh, and I'm a big believer in this too many there's too many. There's a lot said around sort of young people having sort of participation trophies and 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 the win the win loss and and learning how to win and lose. And I've actually written off winning and losing for the team this year because I'd rather them get better as people, as individuals, and and as cricketers than be successful right now and then be turning around when they're 14, uh, when they're sort of in their 20s and being like, you remember that. That under fourteen trophy that I won. Like, no one really. No, of no, course you don't. No one really goes to no that. No one remembers that at no, all. No one goes to that. So that, that's that's real interesting. That I, I did not know that about you. I didn't know that you you you'd done all that trialing and and you'd worked away. Yeah. Literally down the road. Yeah. And then you came came down to us. Yeah. That's fascinating. Which was good. Yeah. So when you what what do you think was some of the biggest learners you had there when when you moved? What what was it? Um, I never really asked you this. Like what. Where was your head at when you first moved into the squad, when, when, I, when you were like trialing and, and then you got a contract? When I moved, I actually learned um, quite a big lesson because obviously I was coming from Surrey where I'd never really gotten a game. I was used to play that inter-squad to get a few. Like I was just milling around at Surrey. And then I came to Sussex and don't know if it's big edit or to say I was one of the best players in the academy, like going straight in. Yeah, it's but pretty honest. Yeah, I was I was there, there about. Good assessment. 
<laughs> and um, everybody was looking over their shoulders and it was a really hard group of lads at the start to to get in amongst because mm. everybody was looking over their shoulders and competition. We had a really strong academy. So competition for um, spots going forward in the second team were, were pretty tight. Um, so it was pretty tough to crack in there. So probably one of the biggest lessons I learned straight off the bat was just keep your nut down and just train, do what you want. You can't control whether people like you, don't like you, think this year, think that year. Just get your nut down, work as hard as you can. And then if you're good enough, it'll happen. I think that's one of the things that people forget, actually, when you um, when you turn pro or you get into a professional setup. Like, it's so cliched when people say it, like, the hard work starts now. But, like, that actually is... That's a cliche for a reason because you have, like you said, you've got people looking over their shoulder. Like, there are people are looking at you, like, trying to chase you down. Whether it's people around your same age as you, you're trying to literally... Uh, even if I look at that academy squad, you had probably five or six people going for one or two spots. Yeah. So that's reality. Like, and, and even those six people that may be going for that, they're, one, they're six of hundreds that have got to that spot. So you've, you've had that hard work and then it just goes, amplifies again. And then even when you're in, yeah. it's like, right, now everyone's trying to take your contract off you. They're the ones that are trying to actually hunt you down. So it's constantly, you're right, looking over your shoulder, which, which in my opinion is really tough to create that, um, that sort of team culture when everyone's doing that. But the best teams are the ones that actually end up bringing all those people together and, and, and doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean... Just pull that sucker up to you. Yeah, that's there's it. there's two ways of... Uh, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I reckon there's two ways of doing it, like building that winning culture. I think the way you've just said works. And I also think some of the best teams that I've played in haven't been the tightest group of blokes and they haven't all, you know, been best mates. But they're, what they have done is been honest with each other and pull each other up. Yeah. You know, if somebody's not training the right way or somebody's eating the wrong stuff or somebody's not crossing the line the best teams and the best competitors i've played with um just put pull each other up not here to make friends yeah. if you want to make if you want to make lifelong friends join the army like you will you will make friends in the game of course you will everybody knows that you find people you like like like-minded people you crack on with them you stay in touch but by and large it's about winning mm. um so yeah, like it's it's two completely different sides of the coin, isn't it? And I don't know, I flick between both of them. Everything you were just saying about no winning and losing, you know, just developing as people. But then also it gets to a point where it's no longer about that. It's about winning. What are you putting on the table? Well, you hope that that, I think there's a, there's just a point, isn't there? There's a point yeah. of understanding where you are as a player. Yeah. So knowing where you are as a player, am I in a place where I still need to develop? Yeah. Or am I in a place where I'm comfortable with what I can do? I've got my skill set and I can just go out there and perform and yeah. I can feel good about it and, and trust the process of what you do and, and, and the training that you've done, trust all that and then go out and do it. I remember, I actually remember the first part of my career, I was in a developing stage, but I was trying to be in a performance stage, I think. So I was trying to, bowling very intricate about understanding your body learning a lot about your body and where you're at and, and your skill that you had and probably trying to develop skills at that level but I reckon I was at a development level at some stage and then was trying to force myself into performance zone and I think if I'd managed that better I would have been able to say do you know what I'm at where I'm at right now perform to whatever I can and then I'll come out into training and then work on it where I can and try and develop it and then go back into performance mode. So I think it's just knowing where you're at for that. I think you just got to know 
which sort of player you're at and, and or what part of your your game you're at at a certain stage. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, when you travel around the world, like so now you're playing in loads of different. You're literally about to go to Pakistan and yeah. play in Pakistan for six weeks. Yeah. So you're playing in not only different teams but different uh, societies and different countries. How do you manage moving from team to team, country to country, culture to culture, and trying to f to find a way to play into a certain team's game and then keeping what you do as Phil Salt, staying with what Phil Salt knows? Yeah, that is probably one of the more difficult things you have to deal with. Um, everybody sees the game differently whether they're you know players coaches whatever um and you've got to be really careful when you're sort of on the circuit to make sure you don't listen to any garbage advice because mm. it's, ve it's very easy to do it you know everybody always says oh no if, if you like it take it on if you don't filter it out yeah sort of a thing but some sometimes it can be really hard to tell um, one of my biggest learners I've had in my career so far is that I should do what I do. Yeah. And if somebody wants me to play differently and not get the team off to a flyer and, you know, have slower starts, take less risks, um, I, I don't think they understand the value of me and the team. Mm. And that might sound quite arrogant, but if you're going to sign me, you know the flyer I'm going to get you off to. Um, when I get runs, I will win you the game. Like that's mm. my that's my mentality. Yeah. That's how I think. You know, it doesn't happen every game. It doesn't happen every game for anyone. No. Um, but as soon as you start changing what you do to fit in a different team's game plan, that's when you muddy the waters, and that's when you lose your clarity. In my experience, uh, have, do you ever felt like you'd done that? Like where you felt like you were changing what you'd done, and you, had, and you caught yourself and like, nah, come back. Or you felt you'd always been quite strong on that? I've always been quite strong on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had one comp in the not so not so distant past where I didn't back myself in to do what I did so well up to that point. Mm. And that is quite possibly the most I don't know if it's most disappointed I've been for want of a better word, but it's the most disappointed I've been in myself uh because Getting to get here, I've always done what I've wanted to. I've always played the way I wanted to, and that works for me. Yeah. So then to change it now, when I finally get here, that it, uh, that is very frustrating. Yeah. For me to process. Yeah, that's not that's not where you want to be. Like I think you've no. you've nailed it on the head where how you've gone about it, where you've you've stuck to your guns, you've stuck to the process of what you um what you have. I recognise there's some stuff going on at the moment. People that are listening, there's a concert that's been set up here at Adelaide Oval. So apologies if you can hear some of this, the, the, these machines that are going past. But um, I actually was thinking whilst whilst you were speaking there about moving around the, the globe, essentially, and you're travelling from place to place. And I know, and this is a bit of a curveball that I've thrown out there and a different question that we, we perhaps weren't going to speak about but the different cultures of people that you engage with across yeah. those different teams so like you're going to Pakistan now and I know you as a person like we obviously have a good relationship um, as as friends and and obviously I, I grew up playing in Barbados so I know 
Barbados really well. You, you're really good friends with Chris Jordan, and and I think you're probably one of the most um, reason I got on with you is because you're one of the most open people to different cultures. And that's what I really love about sport. I love the fact that sport can, and especially cricket, is that you can go into teams and um, and accept different cultures and understand people for who they are, yeah. rather than sort of the beliefs that they have, the religion that they have, the, the 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 culture that they've grown up in, the society they've grown up in. How have you been able to to manage being in so many different cultures and, and managing different people? Or what would be your advice to? to people that have potentially have got multi-cultured sides and, and, and different people from different backgrounds? Uh, probably just talk to people. Like that that would be my only advice because that's, that's what I do. Like When I go to PSL, I've been, this is going to be my third year at Islamabad, I just seem to have an, have an absolute laugh Yeah. every year. I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is because it's probably the comp where the language barrier is probably the worst and you're, you know, sometimes... You don't understand things and are lost in translation. Um, but for some reason, we, we just, as a group, we just have a laugh nonstop. The overseas yeah. guys and, and the locals. Um, I don't know why that is. But I've just, if you talk to people and take the time to understand someone and their background, um, you'll always have sort of common ground and you'll always get on with people. Yeah. Um, I think when you close yourself off, to anybody or don't give people the time of day i think that's when you're going to find it difficult yeah um yeah put time in yeah it's, it's just such a a different mindset to have as well like to to be open to learning from people from different places as well i remember playing with uh, even like people like mushtaq ahmed when i first was a real youngster coming on learning people from like him and ron and avid and like how they how they did things but ultimately at the time that I, I'd never really been in a changing room with people from different religions or I mean I'm not religious but like from multiple different religions and the thing I grew up on was the the amount of respect that everyone got for when when Mushtaq had to go and pray and when Rana had to go and pray and like you just you just treat people like what I'm hearing from you is that you just treat them like the everyday person you just treat them like normal and, uh, and I think it's really really just poignant with everything that's gone on in the world right now um, even with the tournament you you just played in the in the big bash. There was a, a big push on um, Black, Black Lives Matter at the time, and, and it was it was just great to see so many people getting around it. Um, and I know it's something that you find is close to you because of the amount of friends you've got that that have probably had injustices to them and and have felt that that poor side of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a, a lot more could be done. Yeah, for sure. Than just. Um sort of taking a knee um and it's a bit it's a bit cliched isn't it oh we need to talk we need to have open conversations um but i think it's high time that it actually happened yeah uh, because i i don't understand it you know no, knowing me knowing you i don't understand how you could treat somebody different or talk about someone in another way or just i don't understand how you can you can treat somebody any differently because of the color of their skin mm. or their culture. I I've, I I struggle to understand it the best of times. Um, I've I've actually recognised that, and, and being in Australia is a real interesting one because the we're obviously being in England, it's so multicultural itself. I think we 
again, my, my blessing was the fact that I was brought up in sort of multiple different cultures. There were, I had a lot of, of my Bayesian friends around and, and both black, white, we, we, everyone would mingle in and you, you exposed to it. Yeah. So that, I think that's the time. And even over here in Australia, there's a very big lack of exposure. Yeah. A huge lack of exposure. Um, so I, I always recommend to people like go and seek out different cultures go understand them go speak to them before you have throw any sort of judgment onto them um because you'll just find that they're just they're everyday people and they don't deserve to be treated any differently and, and i'm exactly the same as you i can't understand it yeah. but again i at the same time i've been brought we've been brought up in that that yeah. place where it is the norm yeah um yeah it was just an interesting just thought of that as we were talking about where you're going and uh, and and where you're where you're off to so i'm gonna talk about uh, enjoying your sport yeah. Because definitely one thing I know when you first came into the squad is you're one hell of a joker. And like we, we have a laugh whenever we're together. And, and again, even if you people were watching the tournament, the Big Bash over here, you're mic'd up. You're good fun to have on. It's no coincidence that they're asking you to always put that mic on. Um, how do you find... What, what is that sort of secret for you of finding that sense of enjoyment in, in what you do? Because I think a lot of people will find that really... Um, refreshing because you can go out there and it can be intimidating there's no doubt that having fifty-five thousand people in this huge stadium as amazing as it is there's going to be a f fair bit of anxiety or nerves or uh, and the most the, the average person will probably think think that how do you manage that excitement anxiousness or, or uh, and then turn that into having fun and and enjoyment um to be honest it's never something i've sort of struggled with yeah. um Everybody gets nervous, it goes without saying. But like when you actually get out there and you're playing and you're doing something you genuinely enjoy doing, I've never, I don't know why you wouldn't enjoy it. I don't know why you wouldn't joke around, like shout something silly, like carry on a bit. I don't, and, I, and it's one of the great things about sport, I reckon, like that you can do that. Yeah. You don't have to go out there and be this boring sort of, just vanilla person um you can go out there have a laugh crack a joke you know if you've got the mic on say something silly i think that's one of the best things about sport well, the other thing and it was again what i learned from being a pro was it's the entertainment industry absolutely you're an entertainer like yeah. go out there and entertain and, I, and that can can get lost with your own um your own agendas, how you want to do, probably your own perception of yourself, yeah. like how you perceive yourself you need to be. I definitely fell into that at some stage. The book I've found fascinating recently, I recommend it to anyone, is, is Andre Agassi's book, Open. Yeah. My God, well, like that's such a good book for any, for any athlete. I really, really recommend that one because people saw this guy who was uh, really flamboyant, like he had crazy uh, hairdos, he had crazy clothing, and... And he was pretty open and honest about it. Well, he, he said he was being open and honest about what he was um, feeling. But inside, he was actually terrified of everything that was going on. So his thing was kind of like flipping it, being a bit of a rebel. But um, yeah, I, there will be people that will have that internal dialogue and be crippled by it. And they, they'll be out in the middle and they'll, they'll freeze. And is there something that you do pre-game? Pre is there some routine that you tell yourself to put yourself at ease of, of where you where you're at not particularly if i am so the day before with my prep um i try and replicate what i'd face yeah so, okay you know if it's face left armor with new bar i try and get somebody to chuck left armors at me or maybe take the stumps out and cam white could throw around the wicket at me and like imitate the angle of a left armor 
Um, I just I just try and sort of replicate the matchups, and mm. if I'm enjoying it and I'm hitting the ball well, then I've got a smile on my face. That's that's all I judge myself on really with my prep. Um, it's nice and specific. I'm hitting the ball nice. I'm doing my basics well, more than anything else, um, and then I'm having a laugh because it's very easy. As much as I find it easy when everything's going well to have a smile and a laugh when I'm playing, it's also very easy to go insular when it's not going your way. Um, and I don't think that's a case of beating yourself up or feeling down about it. I think sometimes when you're not doing so well, you know, it changes the, It changes very quickly how people treat you. Hmm. And it's very easy to when you know when you're not getting the interviews and you're not getting the post-match press and you're not getting and that sort of a thing. It's very easy to sort of change your behaviour to sort of try and blend into the background. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the last thing you should do. So is there something that you do after a game, after training, that um, or mainly after a competition, after a game, that you do if it hasn't perhaps gone so well? that's going to allow you to continue to go I'm going to say as hard as you go yeah. but that's as aggressive as you can because it, like you're right like you play an aggressive style yeah. so it could be very easy to have a poor run of performances and then go inside your shell yeah. is there something that you're telling yourself after the game whether I don't know whether you're consciously doing it or um, subconsciously I know I probably subconsciously do it more than anything else so um, I normally talk to Mike Yardy oh yeah after okay games on whatsapp so like if i've played well and got a few runs i say oh well batted like think you did well and i'll normally reply back like thanks mate and then like yeah smack them or something yep like having a bit of a laugh uh but then if i've not played well i'd probably message him saying oh that was shit wasn't it mm. and then he'll probably say yeah shit shot or he'll say nah actually good ball or maybe you could have done this and then then it's done and then you move on yep so there is a bit of a review process there going on. Oh, there's, like there's always a review process. I mean, I write a lot of stuff down in a journal, um, but I'm, it's not an everyday thing. Yep. Because it, uh, it's very easy to get carried away with that and making it this formulaic thing where you box it off every day. I don't, I don't think that's the way forward because I think at some point the novelty will does wear off with that. Yeah. As, as good as it is to be in a routine, I think as just like basic human beings, I don't think it's great to have a constant review going on it's like the old trust the trust the process just just trust it keep doing the same things but it doesn't that doesn't mean writing in a in a diary every single morning about what i'm going to do and what i enjoyed like when i feel yeah. like i need to do that and set real like recenter almost i'll do it but it's it's not this formulaic recipe for success well yeah because you you actually probably open up the chance of of not giving yourself enough time to actually let something work absolutely because if you if you i don't know let's say you change your technique right and you yeah. just change a bit of your technique you go into a game it didn't work but in practice it's been working so now if you go to say something like your journal and you're reviewing it constantly 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 yeah. you're feeling like it's not working and you're very easy to get carried away because let's say that does happen and it's you're smoking them in practice you change something and you're smacking them in practice and then you're getting out in the middle it's not. It's not what you've changed. It's, it's, it'll be your mindset. Yeah. Why am I not crossing the line? Yeah. That that would be the only thing I think you could ask yourself. Yeah, definitely. That that that's a huge thing I see from young people all the way to professionals. The practice. Well, I I fell into this trap. Practice, and you look a million dollars. You go into a game, you're slightly off it. 
actually took a conversation from our old coach Mark Davis to, to tell me going you do realise you bowl a lot slower in a game than you do in training and then I recognised that I didn't have a process or a or, or a, a strategy to hold on to that was I was able to go from training because I didn't really know what I was doing I just felt like I was bowling in training and then I was just bowling in a game but then it was like no actually how am I bowling that I'm bowling in how I'm bowling in training and how am I can I do it in a game so it was like focus on a part on the floor pick a spot on the floor and, and, and bowl hard into that keep your technique fine you've done all the technical work but just bowl hard into it so then that's the thing that you can transfer for in because that might be the one thing that is you're forgetting in, in a game you, you you've, you're losing yourself in your like you said your mindset that's the tends to be the thing that lets people down um, or is the winner that's the clincher that allows you to have that success do you do anything sort of to, to work on your mindset or if, if you feel it's dropping off or if you feel you're really strong, is there something you do to ma maintain it? Um, when I'm playing well, I'm always smiling and having a laugh. Um, so I always try and do that. So I, I had a hit this morning um, down at Park 25 and 10 minutes before, I was just trying to make sure I was like having a laugh with the boys and just joking around because the Redbacks are there playing a practice game so I went mm. sat with them had a laugh had a joke and then it just gets you in such a it gets me in such a better mindset um, whereas if I was if I was to be one of these guys who went in there all serious and focused 100% of the time I'd, I'd burn out like that mm. and I know that because I've been there I yeah, know that because okay. I've been there where I've hated the game and I've thought why why do I hate the game what am I doing differently um, why am I not enjoying this as much as I used to? And I, I have to be enjoying it mm. um, in order to play well. Yeah, I, I like how you, how do you have, well, I love how you talk about enjoyment so much because it's something that just from seeing you in play it seems to come real easy. But at the same time, I think you're aware of yeah. how to get to that space. Yeah. That, that for a lot of people is going to be a hard thing to, to be in a bad place and then figure out how to get into that and enjoy it still when you're in a bad place like have, yeah i have, mean perspective's massive yeah perspective massive like you always have to remember what you could be doing yeah or, you know if you weren't if you weren't here or you know it's a bit of a strange run i'm not saying i'm not saying think how crap your life could be yeah i'm just saying like you've got it pretty good but yeah gratitude goes yeah. goes a long way it's like like roof over your head you ate you ate food whatever um you've got friends you've got family and you're having a you're playing sport yeah w way Realistic, worse thing yeah way worse things that you could be doing right now that's Absolutely. for sure um mate yeah i i i think that how you approach the game is is uh is refreshing and it's, it's actually quite interesting to hear you talk about your your sort of processes and, and stuff like that because it's very easy to watch it on, on TV and, and not think that there's stuff that goes in behind the scenes oh there's heaps uh, the processes wise with like with my batting me and Yards did it was just shy of three months work so we'd only we'd only uh, bat so I was trying to I was trying to add the more consistent uh, pre-ball routine to my batting so I'd sort of just well, I was playing around with one and I said right now this is my routine this is what feels natural so this is what I'm going to do so um, we did it for two and a half months coming up three months indoor school complete silence 
just as me and him, bowling machine balls in a sidearm. Um, and I'd have to wait. Some some days you make me wait 40 seconds between balls. Wow. Just to breathe. And other days it'd be five, 10 seconds between balls. Like you'd change it down. So I was perfecting this um, routine. So I'd step out the box. Um, my bat would be leaning on my right thigh. Um, I'd stand there, sort of hands on hips, fiddle with my gloves, pick the bat up, tap it into my thigh pad, walk into the batter's box, uh, into like the sort of crease, not batter's box, not baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, right foot, left foot, right foot on my guard of, of two. And then I'd look up, look back again. And then I tap the bottom of my bat on the, on the crease three times, one, two, three. And then I look up again and then I tap it again, one, two, three. And then I'm ready to face. So, so that all that sounds really tiring. Like it sounds exhausting. Do you want me to show you it? Well, the, I can show it to you. So, so I know, I know, I can understand what you're saying. I can, yeah. I can understand it, and I think even people who probably know the game will be able to be able to understand it. Um, but when you're training that, you're yeah. really taking yourself to like a far, far end of that spectrum. So, you honing in that process right there to like do it over and over again, over and over, and then make it a subconscious thing, and. Uh, that would be my first part that question yeah. so that's what you're doing that's, yeah you're, you're really trying to make it subconscious so you so but you all those different parts that you've worked there with mike yeah have you figured those out or has he helped you give you those I, or has I it been a bit out. of a mix I've, I've, i figured them out he was just said do something that's natural and it just sort of developed over time it took me we did it for three months just as indoors it took me i'd say just over a year to get it all right all the time. So do, do you do that now? Yeah. So that's the thing you do. That's your routine. Yeah. So you found this solid routine that just felt natural to begin with. You started training it. But yeah. Yards has, has then put you into a place where he's he's tested you under the, like time frames. Yeah. So like reduced and lengthened the time frame in between deliveries that you're facing. Yeah. And then you're, and then you're doing that repeatedly over... Pro was there things that you did that didn't work? Were there things? Oh yeah, yeah. So the, when when he when the, when we started doing it and he used to take the time all the way to like forty five seconds, it would feel like I'd be stood there for ten minutes. And you, it's amazing the places your mind goes to. Yeah. And then I focus more on my breathing in between um, to sort of get rid of that sort of negative self talk at the time because I had a bit of a before your yards was um, the batting coach and and we got dizzy over. Um, I didn't have the greatest time at Sussex. I got signed by Mark Robinson, um, who who signed me and then left. And then um, we got a new head coach who, who was the assistant. And I never played much first team cricket under him. Yeah. Um, which I felt I was quite hard done by at the time. But that's how the cookie crumbles. So it was the sort of first time that, that working with yards that I had a bit of positivity around me yeah. and my game, which was so nice. But because of the experiences I've had, I used to get sprayed every appraisal and yeah. I, I, it was horrible to be fair. Um, I experienced that as well. Yeah, yeah it, was fair, know, it was tough. It was horrible, especially as a young lad coming through. Yeah. Um, I, had a lot, I had a lot of negative self-talk in my head uh, because I've been told repeatedly by those who are in charge that I was no good. I mean, I, I need I, to change this, need to change that. I had the same thing and I think that that's something that I'm... It's a thing that kind of haunts me at the same time right now where I can't play professionally because I'm in such a good place. I'm so aware of what I do physically. I'm so aware of what I do mentally. I'm so much more confident in my own skin and who I am as a person because I was constantly being um, brought down 
essentially yeah. is, is and it and is by the people that are in charge and that's really that was a really really hard place to be in and 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 i and sometimes i i don't really blame the people essentially that that were doing it because i think sometimes they were actually a product of their environment well that's of, the thing of, of what they came up with uh and we just happened to be on the transitional period of, and sports in a, such a different place now like it so for people that don't know michael yardy who we're talking about he he was one of our teammates he was my captain for the first few times but he has a very incredible story about his own journey with mental health and he's a real inspiration to a lot of it and, and funny enough yards and i think this is probably why both of us really get on with him i used to idolize him he was yeah. one of the players i always wanted to be in the trenches with um yeah. just because of the type of person he is but and he was that person who gave that that positivity to it. Uh, I remember I got hit for I got hit for 22 in my first ever 2020 professional game and he came up to me at the end of the game and he said the best player in the world at T20 which was Stuart Broad at the time got hit for six sixes in and over you're going to be fine and it just simply that it took all the weight of the world off my shoulders yeah. and all the negativity and he just gave you that boost of confidence and that positivity he's, he's a he's a brilliant man and he's got a great role back in the UK now and, and yeah. I, I think he's going to do a fantastic job but um yeah. Going back to your process as well, let's, let's shoot back to that. That's really yeah. interesting. You've you've now got that that process that yeah. you do pre-ball and it's is it something you have to revisit sometimes? Do you do that in training? I, I enjoy revisiting it. But yeah. I have to slow it down now and I have to think... I don't have to think... I don't have to make an effort to think about it, but I enjoy it when I do get to slow it down because it feels so familiar and so easy. Yeah. Um... As I said, the, the main thing about getting it was get, doing it up first was to um, eliminate a lot of negative self-talk. Yeah. Uh, but now I'd say I probably moved to a different stage with it where now um, it's all about po- positivity. So when you when you caught yourself, did you, did you used to catch us? I love that training idea of like slowing everything down, really making your, your mind whirl yeah. on it and, and just bubble over. Yeah. Did, what, were, what were the sort of things you were catching yourself saying what, what, what sort of well mind you it depends what you want to say <laughs> yeah um, what, what sort of what, what sort of things if you were catching yourself saying something negative did you then give yourself like a mantra a phrase or something to, to counteract it no it was um, it was really strange because at that point in time I was <laughs> it's almost like I had a dialogue going on in my own head yeah so it'd be like you're not good enough you're shit I am not. I'm pretty good. Nah, you're shit, mate. Give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, not the not those exact words. No. But in my own head, I was there going, "I'm mad." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was looking around the indoor school. Yards was up there, just went went to throw a ball. He was watching his iPhone on the timer by the stumps, and all this stuff going on in your head, like, "Yeah, not good enough, mate." Like, whatever. You never get this process right. And I'm joking. I'm actually mad. I'm crazy. Yeah, wow. And I know that I'm crazy now. Like now, I understand that I'm crazy, but it was it was actually. I would love to watch that back. Yeah, and, and know the exact thoughts going through my head at the time. Almost have a microphone in your head. <laughs> yeah, it'd be amazing. God, my, yeah, I, I think that's um, that's so powerful for people that are listening, just to know that sometimes just slowing down, giving yourself the space to to think about, and obviously you know that I'm very big um, fan of mindfulness and meditation and and that that's what that allows you to do it's, yeah. that is literally uh, and i'd be i'd love to speak to yards about this because it's almost what you're doing you're right. just giving yourself the time to allow yourself to to be with your own thoughts for for, for a minute and and literally recognize how mad they are 
and, and that's the thing that meditation allows me to do as well it's the fact that i can sit there and go oh my god that's what i'm thinking and, and that's the point i think that's sometimes the point that people get when they're when they're with their own thoughts is that you hate them you hate yourself you 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 think like why i don't I, or you want to push them back you want to get rid of them you want to move them to one side but recognizing that all it takes is you, you to listen to it just yeah. listen to what you're saying and then you can make a decision you can 100%. make a decision on do i choose to dwell on that or or do i choose to actually go hold on a minute no i am pretty good yeah. I, I am here for a reason. I'm, I'm a pro for a reason. I've got this far for a reason. I, I have some ability. I have some skill. And that that just first instant is, is listening. Yeah. Listening to your own inner dialogue. That's a really cool um, little bit that you're doing. And there's like, there's like um, is it in my mind, my experience, you could be a completely different stance on this, but there's organic ways of doing it and there's forced ways of doing it. So like I use Headspace um a few times a week whenever I've, wherever I need to fall asleep mm. um, if I'm just not falling asleep whatever, if I need to do it I'll do that just to chill out a bit um, but I'll, I, try, I used to try it in the day or in the morning or whatever but I found I found it would never work because it was forced mm. and I was trying to force it whereas if I could go and take myself away for like a coffee um, at Bang Bang on Hindley Street and I could just sit there with a coffee and watch people go past that would be enough for me if that mm. makes sense i could have my time to sort of process and what i'm thinking and you know how what i'm going to do going forwards and all the rest of it and then i'd also watch a few people realize i mean there's some you know i'm pretty lucky you can have that sense of perspective yep. again yeah 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 there's a there's a few battlers knocking about here yeah people wearing you know like full united kits and all sorts of stuff like they've got been shocking nick mentally so as soon as you see people like that you sort of the everything just simmers down a bit <laughs> yeah yeah no, but that's that's true like you get a lot of people you say like do you do meditation do you do mindfulness and they're like nah i go and take my dog for a walk in a quiet forest and that's it, and that's usually what i call meditation i'm like yep you're doing it you, yeah, you're actually yeah, doing that it. Is it like you've got it you're you're with your thoughts you're with you've literally got rid of distraction you're being very present and you're on it that's um yeah that's the same like i think as well the point of not forcing it there's some days where i just think i'm trying to put myself to 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 like say meditate in the morning right i'm not a massive advocate for always having to meditate the same place at the same time you can do it. it 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 can be for that one person who needs to be routined and to do all the time but i'm actually one that is kind of like well what happens if i'm due to do a seven o'clock six a.m uh meditation but mum rings me up and says can you take me to the airport really early yeah am i gonna say sorry mum got to sit down and meditate or can i just move it yeah. and go well i'll find it another i'll find it somewhere else in my day i'll find it in something else that i'm doing and and it's a practice that uh, i'm really surprised that we actually got onto this subject because and it's really nice and refreshing to hear that you are actually doing something like that and i think mm. it just shows that more people giving this time and effort into looking at your mind and seeing yeah. how it functions can actually be the tipping point for you getting onto success and unlocking really everything that you're you're trying to achieve oh, it always is it always is like and you can bring that straight like straight back to cricket if i'm hitting if i'm not hitting balls well i will always go back to my mindset i will go to my mindset 99 times out of 100 mm. if i'm not hitting balls well well but then if i'm not hit like unless it's like a like a obvious obvious technical flaw 
I, I, I won't go to technique often because, I mean, well, in my head, this is what I need to get right. I need to have a solid base. My eyes need to be level so I can judge the ball well. And I need to be still. Mm. And then if my mindset's right and I'm giving it a full crack, I'll hit the bad ball and keep the good one out. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so if I can get that clean, repeatable process and that, and that thought pattern, then when it, when it comes good, it will really come good. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, mate. I, um, look, I, this has been, this has been wicked. I've, I've gone through everything that I've wanted to talk about. about the questions from Stu? Well, no, we won't talk about the the questions. A former teammate of ours asked, uh, I put out some questions on Instagram and he came back with some, uh, well, let's talk about the cat. Let's quickly talk about the cat. Okay. Sergio. So, So Sergio, but he had a different name tail. Sergio's uh, tail's called Stanhope. Yeah. It's a reference to uh, some random fellow who's in the trenches in World War One. Wow. Um, <laughs> Sergio often talks to Stanhope the tail. I hope this goes in the real podcast. This will go in the podcast. I mean, Stu was, Stu was a former uh, teammate of ours, a good roommate as well when I, when I used to run with him. Um, I had so much fun with him and he's, he's uh, <laughs> a good guy, Stu. But God, he gave me some questions that... We're just so left field. Surely um, we have some questions, do we not? From Stu. No, from anyone. We've covered them. Yeah, we've is that covered it? Them. Yeah, so we got. So I asked you about your the one one was really about your mental routine, which we've gone into it, and and you going through um, your mental routine, which was yeah, massively covered that. Fair play for is sure. That a jeans or a trousers guy. Thanks, <laughs> oh, uh, Stu. Uh, so again, um, Stu. I'm yeah, jeans more or a trousers, trousers guy. guy. Uh, skinny <laughs> trousers with a sort of like cuffed bottom. That way you can wear any sort of funky socks you want and even your New Balance dad trainers. Yeah. Can you remember any more? No, they were, no the best headbutt. Oh, the best yeah. headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> we actually probably can't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, look, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Mate, this has been awesome. Uh, what a venue to do it. That was really, that was, that was amazing to, to be able to talk about some of that stuff, mate. And uh, I appreciate, I appreciate everything that, that, you're given the time to find find some space in the in the busy schedule that is Phil Salt schedule right now, and good luck in uh, in Pakistan coming up. It's going to be a fun six weeks, I'm sure. Yeah, it's going to be about to. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Raising Your Game podcast. If you haven't seen it already, the Sport Yogi app is now out. We've got over 500 athletes using the app in the first month, which is incredible. And this app is designed to allow you to move, feel, and train better as an athlete. We take things from yoga, mindfulness, meditation, change the narrative, and deliver it to you that is in the way you need it for your sporting goals and aspirations. So this comes from my experience as a professional athlete and now as a teacher and coach in these areas and I've merged it all together into one app for you. So I'm super excited with how it's going and where it is going to go and the the feedback we're getting is amazing. If you've left a review, thank you so much. It means the world. And if you haven't downloaded it already, you can find it on the iOS store, the Apple store or on Android on the Google Play Store. So look for Sport Yogi. If you want to find out more about the app, then head over to sportyogi.com. All the links will be in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for downloading it if you have been one. And if you haven't, I will see you on it soon. Thanks again, and I'll see you later.